0: Hey alright Welcome Better yet I'm Tim Chris, your host Better yet is a conversation about music And our conversation this week is with Shino Ozella of Lemuria She's a legend And she's on the podcast this week Thank you for joining us Thank you Nomdi for our intro music Marcus Nuccio for our graphics each week. You can see all those on our website, betteryetpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. You can follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Sheena Ozella is on this podcast. And David Anthony also joining us this week. David, my co-host, on As You Were, gonna help me make a few salient points about Lemuria and their greatness and their importance to punk music today. I enjoyed telling Sheena how great I think Lemuria is. This was a dream interview, though. Get Better was a game-changer of a record for me, and Lemuria's amassed such an astounding... Canon, I could can make the case for recreational hate or the distance is so big as my favorite of all of those records. And Pebble Don't Sleep On Pebble. Some of their best tracks are on that thing. Also worth noting in the history of this podcast, better yet, this is a name that I pulled from a lemonhead song and our only t shirt ever features chloe on the back of it and get better written underneath a nod to lemuria as i'm certain was the case for our friends in philly get better records lemuria's influence runs deep y'all and we've got a first for this podcast sheena was having some technical difficulties and uh her video wasn't working, so this is the first time I've interviewed someone for this podcast without being able to see the person I was talking to. But it turned out great. But before we get to that, let's bring in our resident historian, David Anthony. Alright, I'm here with David Anthony. David, of course, of the better yet Hall of Fame inaugural class. Mm-hmm. First ballot. First ballot. You're you're like Andre, the giant of this podcast. True, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, my co-host, Correct. Is a much smarter host on as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, but only about the
1: Alkaline Trio. Let's be fair,
0: only about the Alkaline Trio. Um, it's something that I don't <sighs> when I'm in, when I'm in as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio mode. I don't like to admit it, but we're clearly there because David's the smart one, and I'm the guy who just happens to be there. That's great. Oh, come works, come out, out. works out great for me. Um, and David, you've been working as a as a music writer for, God, so, so long. And you're doing former Clarity, your mm-hmm. newsletter
1: now. I sure am. Um, yeah. N- writing every now and again when, when time allows and uh, inspiration strikes.
0: David, um, you're someone who I like to uh, consider a a bit of a historian of of punk music. And certainly you're someone who has worked to do a lot of the uh, codifying of the generation or generation and a half of, uh, of punk that we are living through as uh as Americans. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm not uh, as knowledgeable about what's happening in uh Australia, unfortunately.
0: Well mate let's uh let's stick on the continent for this one. Hopefully. Um, but da- David I wanted to bring you on to talk about Lemuria. Mm-hmm. I got Sheena on the podcast this week and there are there have been so many things going through my head about Lemuria some points that I try to make in the interview when I'm talking to Sheena, which is always something that's a very fun thing when you tell someone how important you think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but also, you know, the also things that, as opposed to just doing an intro where I yell into a microphone, this is why this is important. It's good to have someone on here that I can just say, like, hey, he's he's smarter than me. And he's he's got thoughts too.
1: If you say so, I mean I feel like most people when you tell them they uh have done something important, generally speaking, if they are in the punk rock world they're going to deny it. That's just kinda how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I the thing is I will also say I believe that modesty to be genuine. Most of the time, um, yes. and I think in this case, Lemuria is an interesting one because I've actually been thinking about them quite a bit recently, and it's uh, interesting that you kind of uh, you, you decide to interview Sheena this week because, yeah, I've been kind of thinking about them and just like how big they felt as a band. Uh, I would say between the years of like, you know, I know they started before this, but I would say like 2008 to 2012, 2013. I felt like they were really. I don't know. I, I feel like I could not go to a show and not see like 12 to 15 people wearing a Lemuria shirt. Like it just was like, and aesthetically, I think they were also kind of really in their own space and really kind of ahead of that curve where it was like, you know, their name, just very simple font, all caps, and then the kind of a design. And it kind of recalls what, you know, like I think, you know, I think they had more of um not a branding around them, because I think that sounds a little more calculated. But I think they just had an aesthetic that felt very much theirs Mm -hmm. at a time when bands were, you know, we're talking about the mid to late 2000s, the things were a lot like, we were still in the bright t-shirt side print game, and this was just black t-shirts, white print. You know, it was just very simple, very stark. It made them look almost like a more intense band than they were. Um, And they kind of played with this dichotomy between like, uh softness and heaviness both musically i think lyrically and and aesthetically in a way that really kind of pushed them to the forefront at at that time
0: totally totally and that's that's something that i talked to sheen a lot about in the interview too is just that they had such a sharp looking uh business model um and t-shirts were a huge part of that and Mm. I Yeah, what you're pointing out, too, about what that simplicity of those t-shirt designs as opposed to, you know, I'm thinking of just the general, like, to write love on her arms era of uh, just music and music fashion at that time that we were in, seeing Erg's t-shirts, seeing Lemuria t-shirts were like, there's something profound that's happening here with this band and hardcore kids love them
1: yeah and i mean i think they really i think my general feeling about lemuria has always been that they really opened the door for punks quote unquote um to really embrace power pop and stuff that was a little more like indie pop-ish and what i mean by that is like obviously in the late 80s 90s you have kind of the k records world Mm -hmm. um the kind of beat happening tiger trap stuff which i think is close to that but i don't think i don't know a lot of like punks who really fucked with that stuff that much um yeah i some did but i don't think it was a common thing and i feel like lemuria kind of became the band that was like you know they were signed to bridge nine at a point like clearly they were like there were hardcore kids who loved them and Mm -hmm. i think it open the door to people being able to like explore this kind of like power poppy softer approach while still feeling like they are part of an underground thing. And I I think not just their music, but like an aesthetic, but the fact that like Alex was doing art of the underground that like, Mm -hmm. you know, label and single series, which is kind of bringing all these things together and kind of giving it this like uniform thing. Like they were kind of building like, their own minor like sub pop single series type vibe, which wasn't really happening in like the, the punk underground at that point. And it was it was it was cool to see. And I think like, you know, I've I've seen them a lot and I remember like, God, like seeing them at Fest and people losing their fucking mind. Yeah. But also seeing them like I remember um I believe the tour was I saw them it was them against me and Screaming Females mm. in like twenty eleven Mm -hmm. um and i mean you know they were great like i know people who like went to that show just to see lemuria which is like a crazy funny thing to kind of think about and then i remember i think one of the last times i saw them because i didn't see them as much near the end was like it was like i think menzinger's them pup and Cayetana was the tour and it's just like yeah like they kind of fit in those gaps and i think really like without a band like lemuria you know i think you don't get that type of like Cayetana style band accepted within the punk world. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just kind of unfortunate how I feel like Lemuria just kind of came up at a time where I do think they were popular and important, but now I think people don't bring them up and it's kind of weird to me. It's like, you know, sometimes being the first to something means you were kind of big in the moment, but once it becomes more common and I'm not, shitting on Caratana or any of these bands i like oh yeah i like them (laughs) part
0: of uh part of augusta and i like getting together to talk on the podcast was me bringing up lemuria and Augusta being like 100 percent, yes this is the reason that we're a band
1: and like i think so many um so many of those bands like still do that sound really well and i think kind of also thread that needle of being kind of punk kind of poppy kind of indie but like it, I think it just really pushed the scene in a way to understand that like punk could, it, it didn't always mean that you had to be more extreme. It means that you can also be like, it, this sounds very, um, this sounds like very 2013, but like radically vulnerable. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of what they did. And I think, and their records like still really hold up. Like I think get better is just like such a fucking classic album. I think that for singles collection is just like, Mm-hmm. It's just a master class of songwriting and they kinda kept it up throughout. Like I, I think people kind of fell off of them and started, you know, looking a little sideways on the later records. But like I still think the quality is there. Like if you like what they do, it's really a discography that's kinda gonna do what you want throughout.
0: Definitely. You made so many of the points that I was hoping that we would make and I was prepared to, but damn, you just do it so good. And I, I think that they're. I think that what they did really, really well was we we had a time where I think pop punk became a became a term that meant a certain thing that was kind of actually very toxic and weird. Mm-hmm. And I think Lemuria just said, "Now we're just going to go straight." Down the middle, and it just gave people an excuse to come back to a sound that they really liked and wanted. And there was such a vulnerability there, and such an embrace. And I think that I think that it's an interesting point that we're in right now, where they definitely they got taken for granted mm-hmm. for for a while there and i think that that's that happens to you look down the line to really anybody who was influential to a time there is always a period where they're either you know they go off the tracks a little bit or people just like don't realize like that oh paul westerberg this guy is uh that's the reason that you like this band, Superdrag, right now, but you mm-hmm. don't even know why. Um, and I think that I think that there's going to be a bit of a turn in the l- full-on appreciation of Lemuria, and not just the band that did get better,
1: but a band yeah. that w- got better. Yes, I I agree completely, and I feel like I mean I feel like that last record. I remember when that came out, and you know it might be because they broke up shortly thereafter. But I feel like the record's, like, really um, kind of underserved in the mm-hmm. conversation. I think it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool, and I feel like it almost feels like a hidden gem type of record, just because it kind of came out. You know, they were back on Asian Man, and, like, I remember when that was coming out. It just kind of, like, came out, and they broke up because of touring stuff. And, yeah, I mean, they're one of those bands that, like, I think you can even say it, like, the... It, I, this is a comp I was thinking of and now I see the box that's behind you. So I'll say, but like, they kind of remind me of like a Husker do where like, it's, it's pretty consistent throughout. Mm. There's some changes for sure, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it breaks up. And then I think people start to slowly realize what, that they were kind of missing out on something just because they, I don't know when you're, when you're consistently good over the course of many years, I think it becomes easy for people to just, you know, be like, Oh, well, it's always going to be there. And I don't need to feel excited about this because it's. I, it never feels like the big comeback record or it never feels like they're writing the ship. It just feels like they're just writing good songs. And at a certain mm-hmm. point, uh, there's no, when there's not enough narrative for uh, writers or listeners, I think they don't really know what to do with it sometimes. And that's unfortunate. And I think, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in five or 10 years with Lemuria because I think people are going to naturally find it again and i think a younger generation will probably discover it to a degree which will be very exciting thanks for coming on thanks for having me
0: uh all right subscribe to the pod uh tell your friends here's me and sheena Ozel. a little (laughs) tribute to Get Better and yeah, that's
2: it. It's an honor to share anything with any any dog ever but uh, is your dog Chloe is no longer with us?
0: Yeah, Chloe's no longer with us. We've got two others in the house. We've got Lily and Hadley and Chloe. She went to Thirteen and a half.
3: Wow.
2: For a pug, great. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't ever make it easier, but pugs have their issues.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we we actually we adopted Hadley. My partner and I were in Thailand and uh, adopted this little. She we found out she's a Shih Tzu and a Pekingese mix. Um, and we brought her home with us and Chloe didn't like other dogs very much, but she met Hadley and she was like, yeah, you're cool.
3: Aw.
0: And, and then Chloe bounced like a couple months later and she wasn't sick, but we kind of, we like to think that she knew. Yeah. She knew we were in good hands.
2: It's, um, it's really wild when, uh, was it last year that she passed?
0: Yeah, end of end of last. Well, no, it's twenty nineteen. So now this is getting all confusing because it really it feels like it was the end of last year. But
2: we we've basically had a year that like doesn't really exist, and everything really bad happened. So
3: yeah, for real.
2: Yeah, I I I understand. I also um, I I have a similar situation with a dog that passed last year, and uh, before he passed. Um, we got another dog too. We, we adopted a mini poodle. Mm Uh, it was weird. It was similar to Chloe. Like, uh, Billy didn't really like very many other dogs, but from the moment that Bernie came in, they were like, you know, Bernie just would follow him everywhere. And like, he just accepted it. And then, um, he passed and I feel like it, it was just kind of, uh, something that sometimes it just, It just kind of, I'd like to think that they had a conversation, you know, where Billy was like, look, these are the things you've got to do. Like, uh, and Bernie just kind of adapted himself to being exactly what we needed at the time, you know, to get through Mm
3: -hmm.
2: everything that happened. But it's so, dogs are so cool and they're just like, they're They're just they just always know exactly what to do and like their personalities are always just so wholesome and genuine. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry for your loss. I, I, it's really difficult to go through. Oh, uh,
0: I'm sorry for yours too.
2: Thank you. It's been a, it's been just a really fucking shit year, huh?
0: Yeah, but, totally. Totally. Um, yeah, one thing that I love with the, the Chloe and Hadley story is Hadley was really quiet, and then Chloe was just like this loud, snorty presence. And <laughs> I don't know if the timing on this is the way that I'm remembering it, but Hadley snorts a little now when you give her really good pets. And to me, that's like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Very sweet. <laughs> well, we got and and we just moved out to Valparaiso so uh we've got a nice backyard now for these dogs to run around in and that's been great
2: Where is that where are you located?
0: We're in, we're in Valparaiso, Indiana. So we're northwest Indiana um only about an hour from Chicago. Nice. Yeah. I was in Chicago from 2010 till till last year what about you you're you're not in buffalo anymore
2: no i'm not in buffalo i've been in dc for the last um uh i moved here probably in 2011 so i've been here for a pretty long time um oh my god yeah like 10 years but yeah uh, yeah i live in dc it's fucking nuts
0: <laughs> how's it been Jeez.
2: I live, um, in like a hippie suburb kind of, mm-hmm. in so I, I mean the area I, I live in, I, I love it. It's really free spirity and like, um, quiet and respectful. And there's like, you know, just the kind of people that I,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that I vibe with. Um, but yeah, uh, last night me and my boyfriend, like, you know, we kind of anticipated we're about maybe seven miles away from the Capitol. Mm-hmm and all day yesterday like the city shut down you know in preparation for shit to just go fucking bonkers and uh and nothing i mean it was like there were so many national guard and and um police and you know it we just nothing like that bad was gonna happen but yeah. uh, at the end of the night it was maybe like nine thirty or 10 we just started started hearing this like insane sound and it, it it straight up sounded like something really bad was happening. And, um, I, you know, got up and, and like, I was afraid to go outside. Uh (laughs) It was the fucking fireworks from downtown. And I swear, I've heard fireworks before in the city, but like, it sounded next level. Like, and I feel like everyone has just been so on edge, um, with, Just some just something like feeling like something was going to happen you know and like
3: mm-hmm.
2: it just was it was like a cruel little like fuck you for a moment because you know it was obviously just their firework show and i'm sure it looked cool but like the people around i remember my boyfriend uh looked it up online and was like what the fuck is going on you know and my neighbors were looking in next door and like we uh-huh. were just trying to figure out what it was and if we should be afraid uh But yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy here. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not really like anywhere else I've ever been. And I think it's, it's been particularly, um, all encompassing. Like I never, I mean, obviously I think it's important to be like politically involved and vote and, 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 um, especially like after the four years we've had, but, um, Living in D.C. is just kind of a different world that I think um, I've grown into that I'm not sure I like. Mm,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: um, but that being said, like, I love D.C. and I think D.C. has its own like special. Special thing. So anyways, uh-huh. I'm here. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> is awesome, though. And obviously you live there for a long time, so I'm, I'm sure you also think it's awesome.
0: I do love Chicago very, very much. Now, did you grow up in the Buffalo area?
2: I did, yeah. I grew up um, about an hour and a half south of Buffalo, a, a town called Allegheny, New York. Um, what and... ta- What's the name of it? <laughs> Allegheny, New York.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. That's not as weird as I thought. Like, no. teas. <laughs>
2: Like, no I, yeah new york has a bunch of like buffalo suburbs too like cheek DeWaga and like it's all it's mm-hmm. all wild names but um uh yeah i grew up about an hour and a half south and i met alex when we were in high school and he lived about um an hour away in the same direction um to buffalo so
3: mm-hmm.
2: we met because we used to go to shows uh in the city next to Uh, mine a town called olean new york Mm. and uh yeah it's just really it's just small town like basically on the border of pennsylvania and new york really Mm. like uh hillbilly like
0: (laughs) oh yeah lots of
2: lots of country boys uh and um quiet yeah
0: so and what kind of shows were going on in in olean
2: punk shows freaky shows you know yeah. uh, i i loved it i mean at the time that i got involved when i was young um a little uh tidbit about my youth i used to be um really religious
0: oh yeah
2: <laughs> oh what yeah kind nope. of
0: what kind of religious
2: um well i was uh at- a part of a Methodist church, um, Mm -hmm. youth group, but like when I was in school, that was a cool thing. Like everyone was Christian. Everyone was straight edge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember that time. Yeah. It had a good run there. It really did. Yeah. I, and I feel like, um, honestly it was, it was great. Like I didn't do anything bad. I I wasn't, I mean, like punks, you know, like, Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of punks. But um, the best part about where I grew up was that like, if you were even a little bit of a freak, or, or like into anything weird, you were kind of put in the same category as all the punks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think that it was just like, such a healthy environment to be a part of because drugs weren't a part of it, at least when I was when I was growing up. And like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, people should, um, people should do it they want to do you know but like drugs weren't really my thing so uh um I think it was just really uh productive like really happy way to be a part of something that was that shaped my life you know for for mm-hmm. years after and uh I really loved it I I thought that like there was like rest like wrestling like there was a rink in the back of this punk house and they would do wrestling matches. And there was like, there was just all sorts of wild, weird stuff going on that I think kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just me thinking about it because I grew up near it, but like, I think Buffalo as a city is kind of, uh, it has such a charming and, just like a very chill, like be who you want to be vibe and, and, um, and soul to like the whole city that I think that, like, I'm just really happy that I was a part of, you know, where I grew up and how I grew up because I feel like it really let me just do what I wanted to do. And like, you know, have some form of art be what, uh, ultimately, you know, made me be a part of music and like made me start playing and just, just really was um, supportive. I think that's what I'm trying to say,
0: but. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I've always thought that that Buffalo felt like a Midwestern city just in that it's, uh, it's nature seems to be a little bit more passive and, uh, comforting because it's like you you got to get through all that cold
2: yeah for sure for sure and i think like buffalo and place i mean i think chicago is a was always a a bigger city to people from buffalo but like i i think that if you have to suffer through winter for as long as we did like it Mm -hmm. does make you a much more um You have to get creative on how to make yourself happy at a point during the winter. Yeah, And uh, I think that the Midwest in general has just like the best, the best kind of um, outlook on life usually.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. Like I grew up in New (laughs) Jersey and I still have a lot of that in me, but there is something about it. Out here. So, so did you did you grow up in a in a big family? Like, I I don't want to make assumptions, but the uh, the Methodist house tends to have lots of children, right?
3: <laughs> I was the
2: only Christian in my family, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I I my my parents like my mom is is religious, like uh, not by any sort of definition. Like, she's a spiritual, believes in God, like. Mm-hmm wholesome, good person. Um, but yeah, it, it was just me. Um, and I think my parents were stoked cause like my brothers were kind of naughty and I was really good. And
3: uh-huh.
2: so they like, let me go to, you know, conventions and like all sorts of weird shit. But, um, yeah, I, my, I have two brothers and then, um, a mom and a dad and, uh, yeah, I grew up, I mean, our, our family is, pretty normal nothing real crazy happened um mm-hmm. i like all of my family still so that's good uh and my mom a little like wild thing about my mom and my dad um which maybe isn't that wild cuz i think this happens to a lot of people but my mom and my dad were um they live in the same town the same it's a village, the village of Allegheny, New York. They've lived in the same town their entire lives and they're not, they're not together anymore. They're divorced, but they, it's just crazy to me that like anyone could stay in the same town for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Like still want to be there just because of, you know, I think maybe our generation and, and people that are younger and uh, just kind of, I don't know. It was so natural to me to want to go somewhere else, but for them, it just always blew my mind that they were like content being. being yeah. There yeah from, totally. You know? It's just crazy, but.
0: Cause it's, it's probably like, well, why, why would we leave?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think my, my mom was 16 when she had me. So.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
2: she was really young and she needed her mom. You know, she needed help. Like my, mm. my, My dad isn't my real dad. My mom um, is my real mom, but uh, the dad that raised me adopted me when I was little. So Mm -hmm. um, I think she didn't really have a chance to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Because she had to raise a kid when she was basically still a kid. So it kind of planted her there a little bit more than it, it maybe would have if she was a little bit older when she started having kids. But
0: Your mom sounds lovely.
2: She is lovely. she is lovely. My mom is a goddamn angel she uh <laughs> she like she she can't work um but she is going crazy you know like my mom is very serious about covid regulations like she's mm-hmm. she's not a denier she's a decent person <laughs>
3: yeah. and
2: she uh she started like donating her time at the warming house and she she's like she's doing shit that i think is like i just love her i think she's she's awesome uh she rescues and like um raises foster kittens and like traps Mm -hmm. cats to get them spayed and neutered and like she does really cool shit so my mom is my mom is awesome
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and and then you so you grow up and you're you're getting a like weirdo experience during your high school years within this, uh, community. It's funny to think of it as like non-traditional to the non-traditional type of community.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, and, and now what I was reading was when you and Alex started Lemuria where you were both pretty new to your instruments, right?
2: Yeah. So Alex had played, um, guitar, um, but he wanted to start playing drums. Uh, and he, he got into them a little bit before I started playing guitar, but around that same time I just said, fuck it. And I also, you know, I think Buffalo winter kind of brought me to that point where I was like, well, it's now or never, but I was, Mm -hmm. I think I started playing when I was 22. Uh, so, um, I was a late bloomer, but, uh, yeah, Alex just said, "Like, do you want to start playing at some point?" Um, and he had some songs. The demo, the demo that we released, are actually songs that Alex had written completely. Like, he's one of those people that just knows how to play everything and like figure everything out. But um, so he taught me some of those songs on um, acoustic guitar, and we had. Uh, been playing with a couple other people from the town that I grew up in, um, just for fun. Uh, mm-hmm. We had this little house in the middle of nowhere that we would go and play, and um, and then I, I guess I had been playing acoustic guitar for a while. Um, I played in a an acoustic band uh, called Team Chocolate, and then mm-hmm. um, I had a friend named barb that i played with too so like i knew i knew the basics before starting with alex but like i never played an electric guitar
3: yeah
2: Um, so yeah we we just started playing and uh how i learned how to play guitar is i just i had buffalo friends teach me the songs from their bands and like oh yeah i i didn't really perfect (laughs) Well, it definitely like made me create a style based on who was, you know, teaching me how to play. Um, But I had a bunch of friends that were in hardcore bands and I would try to play like hardcore songs. Uh And then uh, I would just uh, I just learned a a bunch of different things and then eventually started writing my own stuff, um, which showed up a little bit. I don't remember what we did after the demo. I think there was maybe a seven inch or two. But Mm -hmm. I think I started writing that first seven inch after after the demo. So, yeah, yeah,
0: that's so funny just having like that type of um, because, yeah, like I'm just thinking of all of the different types of people that were around there and that all just gets filtered into you as you're really putting this thing together for yourself
2: for sure yeah and i think um you know la Maria is definitely what i feel music wise i mean i gravitate towards more indie rock than i did some of the stuff that i was learning how to play mm-hmm. um but yeah alex i mean alex and i were best friends since we were in high school, you know, I think we, I think I just, I think there was something about the way that we worked together that made me feel really comfortable showing him things that I would write, even if I wasn't, you know, technically a good player. Mm-hmm. And he, he never, I was just, I was just given a very comfortable opportunity to start a band, which I'm grateful for because, you know, I think a lot of people have a hard time starting to play music with other people because they get hurt or there's they get hurt by people saying they don't like their stuff or whatever. And like, Alex was just such a, we just both went into it thinking like, well, fuck it. Like we both just want to play. And mm-hmm. I think we had that like brutal honesty with each other yeah, that yeah. made it so that we could be productive with our time. Um And honestly, Alex, uh, I'll say like, in the history of Alex and I's, you know, musical relationship. Um, and I guess it's been since 2004, uh, mm-hmm. we, he has been just really, um, like, I think we have both been each other's n- number one, like, uh, what is it called? Like muse? Uh, champion. Yeah like yeah. that we just like, both like really loved genuinely loved what each other were writing and it made it easier for us to just keep doing it and um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know alex is uh, i'm forever grateful that um alex and i had the opportunity to do that you know even if we don't do much ever again <laughs> i feel like i feel like i just you don't get that opportunity to have a brutally honest musician uh, like want to travel the world and want to play shows and just mm-hmm. I just I love Alex and I really miss him. And I wish that um, COVID didn't happen so we could see each other. But uh,
0: he's is he still living up in Buffalo?
2: No, he lives in Las Vegas. Get out someone that you sort of know lives in Las Vegas.
3: Oh,
0: I have so
2: wild, questions. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he is, uh, living in Las Vegas with his wife, Nancy, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's from there. So, um, they ended up buying a house out there and he probably loves-
0: costs like 20
2: bucks. It's so fucking cheap. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I think for what they, Alex owned homes in Buffalo, which is also really cheap. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it was, like, no big thing for them to buy. You know, they have a nice home, like, and for – sometimes I just – I mean, I live in D.C. and, like, even, you know, Chicago. Like, mm-hmm. those cities are just so expensive. It's hard to even think about owning property, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The- <laughs> we definitely left the state of Illinois for a reason. Yeah. Um, I guess there's – I'm I'm gonna come back to the if we ever do anything again (laughs) comment he just dropped, Um, but I think that there's there's something that I've um, I guess you two are you have such an interesting um, like way of like all of your melodies and like your rhythmic structures are so like not 4-4 and not like obvious do, do you did you two to like share something early on with that because i think that like you're you're a band that i think is immediately like catchy and all of those things but on listening i realized that like nothing is in the obvious space. Hmm. Do you know know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is that, um, the bands that I like that, that have inspired me are all kind of wacky bands. Like, Like, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the band Polvo. Oh yeah. Polvo. Like Polvo is one of my biggest inspirations, but like, um, you know, I think at a point when we were playing, we were obviously, um, We like pop punk, you know, I mean, obviously we like like a whole bunch of different things. I think that our music is a lot of different genres, but like, I think that um, Alex would probably say that a big part of him writing was that he started taking drum lessons and he started taking drum lessons with this guy from Buffalo that he just kind of blew his mind all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. Alex was constantly thinking about things in a more interesting way, but without being obnoxious you know trying to be too too different yeah um and then for me it was like i just wanted to play stuff that was fun (laughs) to play yeah and and luckily the stuff i mean i don't i think alex likes bands like polvo but like i don't think they're necessarily his um his inspirations, uh, but like together somehow it worked. Like he was up Mm -hmm. for the challenge and I was up for it. So we would oftentimes try to think about things and in a different way. Um, But some of our songs are also four, four and pretty straight up and pretty poppy, you know, polished. But uh, I think like records like Pebble uh, for us, Uh, yeah. Pebble is, is like, at that point, I think when we started getting really into thinking a little bit more outside the like pop punk, um, l- levels that we were getting kind of pushed into because of get better yeah, um, and previous stuff that we had done. Uh, but we were also like, I mean, I think that pebble was kind of a, uh, we both had some like sadder stuff going on, uh, in our personal lives and, mm-hmm. You know, I think that that made a big difference, too. So,
0: yeah. Well, let's... The Pebble's such an interesting record, because <laughs> I think there's... It, I feel like when Get Better came out, it was, it was just this thing that nobody felt... um Nobody felt, like, halfway in on Lemuria. It was just like, yo, fucking... Everybody liked Lemuria right away from pop punk kids to hardcore kids. It was very, very immediate. And, and Pebble was, I, I I listened to Pebble and I think there's this really, really cool dynamic of you all trying to get to where the distance is so big and recreational hate are. And I can feel that, like y'all trying to like do something different, trying to get out of like the constraints.
2: Yeah, I mean, a big part of that was also that like the guy that we recorded "Get Better" with is like a a production like guy, you know. And mm-hmm. honestly, recording that record was kind of traumatic for me. Like, oh yeah, I, I I'm I'm not gonna say. I mean, I think that because Pebble, we recorded with Jay Robbins, who is also one of my like main mm-hmm. influences. Uh, I love Jawbox, and he's just an incredible person, but his style of recording was also just so much more. Um, he was really into getting uh, good tones, you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when we recorded Get Better, it was all about vocal harmonies. It was all about, it, it was just a different experience, Um Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, the two people as like recording engineers could not be more different (laughs) um, between the guy that we recorded Get Better With and the guy that we recorded the other three records we ended up doing are actually two. sorry, but um, yeah, I think it just uh, I I think for sure we started getting more comfortable um, as a band. And at that point, Max had joined the band, um, for the distance is so big and like Mm -hmm. his style fit, fit what we were doing really well too. So I think, I think it's just a kind of a matter of preference, like as far as I, everyone has their favorite records, you know, the things that get them into a band. Um, but I think that pebble is obviously our least, uh, a uh, popular record I, I would say and um to me like that record is uh such an independent like uh, it,
0: badass dude
2: <laughs> thank you i think it's I, I i honestly think it's a grower you know like and i think it's a more mature record uh, in a lot of ways that um maybe mm-hmm. doesn't sit well with people that uh didn't really um know much uh, like where we went to after it at least, but like, yeah, we, I think, I think, um, Pebble definitely, we started getting into like, you know, bridge nine also put out that record and like, Mm -hmm. we were just trying to find our way and how to get in, into the music world without selling our, our souls. But like, also just like, I don't think we ever really thought we, we're going to get into that world like
0: you mean like
2: into the world of like big. yeah and like i i just i think that i think that throughout when maria's history thus far it 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 became a point in which um I'm just grateful that, like, we actually like each other, you know, and like, yeah. we continue writing stuff that we liked, even if it was it, it, it didn't hold on to people as much as they would have if we wrote, you know, five Get Better albums. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I mean, the Get Better, you probably, you play what, half of those songs every set from they're on right like have you History, has there been a lemurian show without without pants since pants was written
2: we've, no <laughs> no uh and yeah i mean we we love oh don't get me wrong like i'm so fucking proud of get better and i love it but yeah we we definitely i mean we did a whole tour around it and it went so well because people people love that record if they yeah. like my if if they like lemuria you know but um yeah, it's just it's yeah. I I, I still really love all the records and um yeah, I think that I think that to to us it was more important to create music that was not gonna be something that you couldn't listen to twenty years from then and still like, you know. So
0: mm-hmm. it's crazy how get better isn't that. And also <laughs> like I think just the Just the process that I've had of listening to these records and getting ready to talk to you, it's mind-blowing to me the way your band just continues to grow and make cooler things that all seem very, very attached to the opening riff of Pants. It's still there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks. You're nice. You're nice. (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) You know, one time we almost got pants in the fucking kiss cam of like the, I think it was like the Sabres. Like it was Uh one of the songs that was, that could have been the fucking song uh, on the kiss cam. And we didn't win. But like, after that, I was like, God damn it. Like, That is like such a legendary way to like make a song. I I feel like even even though we didn't get it, it's still uh, oh. pretty badass. But I it,
0: that's if there's if there's a kiss cam for <laughs> the last twenty years of pop punk and indie rock, <laughs> it's it's pants.
2: thank you yeah i i I feel like yeah that song we we actually also like throughout the years we would practice you know for for tours and we just would not play pants because we had to play it so much that like (laughs) we just we knew we didn't have to play it and that it was like gonna be fine because everyone was you know that 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 it was gonna be fine but yeah we played that song a million times
0: um the I'm not gonna ask you about Bridge Nine because you you spent every interview that you did for three years talking about Bridge Nine, but the the fact that Hardcore Kids loved Lemuria so much is always like been something that I think is like r- pretty key to kind of how you how you all sort of like became a band that a lot of people knew about how how did how did that happen
2: i mean i think i think we were always a band that played hardcore shows when we were in buffalo and coming up like i mean uh. buffalo is a hardcore city and like a, i think if in this is kind of like where i grew up too but like if you were a punk in buffalo or you were into anything at the time that i was growing up there you played the same show so like mm-hmm. You know every show would have a couple different kinds of bands on it, and like I think because of that, we just continued to play hardcore shows and the and the people we met on tour were were hardcore um people like or that sounds funny, but we just we played with hardcore bands and we like hardcore and like it just was never weird um mm-hmm. Brit Mine was obviously like a bigger hardcore ish label that we were like fucking stoked wanted anything to do with us. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool to us. Like we, we wanted to be a band that could play with any kind of band and not have it be weird. I mean, I think that's a product of where we grew up, but I think it's also like, it's fucking boring to go to a show and every band sounds the same, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I think that was one of the coolest parts about, about um, growing up and playing a, shows in a punk scene because like yeah yeah it just it what a what a breath of fresh air it was to like hear a different kind of band um i remember at,
0: when you came into chicago with paint it black yeah raw nerve played and the the, the show itself was the disaster um <laughs> but the there was that
2: that was at like uh nick baron set it up but it was like
0: yeah it was at a, a weird, like, loft space that I don't think did many shows after that. It it was, I don't know. I remember there was, like, a thing where they took a large cut of door money, and I said they weren't going to. I don't know. I just remember I couldn't hear a thing when y'all played and it
2: was oh my god it was fucking horrible i remember how bad it was but yeah i i that show was crazy and it was awesome to play with It black and uh chicago always had like chicago is one of the most fun places that we played like ever every time yeah constantly.
0: dude chicago oh. loves your band and like most especially then just like that era of you know get better the erg split pebble lamuria t-shirts were just such a <laughs> i feel like you you have kind of always i've always been impressed with lamuria just as an organization it seems like you all had your shit together pretty early
2: i mean honestly this is where alex Kearns comes in he's a, he's like a he's a businessman but he's <laughs> a punk So like, I think he, he was just, Alex is just, uh, like really motivated, like super, um, fun person when it comes to creative things you can do. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, I can't take any credit other than being like, okay, how do we get this out? Or, um, Mm -hmm. basically saying yes, but yeah, he also, he ran a printing company, uh, with a uh, guy named Diff. So, like, we had it at our... And actually, the first bass player of... The second bass player of La Maria.
0: Were um, there, like, nine before? There were then? two...
2: There was one one guy before Jay Draper who was on Get Better. But uh-huh. he he ran a, um, a screen printing company, too. So, like, I think that just made it, like, so easy for us to come up with stuff.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: it's funny, though. Wh- none of us are, like, artistically... Inclined, like oh none none of us could ever really like um create anything that was cool. We always had to get people to I guess that's pretty normal actually, bands like kind of outsourcing.
0: Yeah, but when you got that in at the plant. Oh, it's huge. That's so key.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And it was cheap. It was cheaper, you know, it was just Mm -hmm. like it was it was just cheap and easy. But Alex loves like he's a freak. He loves packaging things. He loves it. It's crazy because <laughs> he ran a, a record label. Um, yeah. A Art time. of the underground. He fucking loved it. He yeah. would watch movies all day and he would just package records for his label. And like, I mean, for me, if I had to do that for more than an hour, I would turn into like, I, I just couldn't sit there for, for that long and do it. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it kind of branched out because then Alex started being the person that was the person that, did all the LaMaria mail order and he just like, yeah. I, I think he just genuinely thinks it's fun to come up with creative things to do for, for people that are going to give two shits about a band, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I give all credit. Everyone should give all credit to Alex for that. Cause he is genuinely, um, a motivated freakazoid.
0: Um,
2: well, I,
0: yeah, I, I seriously just, I have, so much respect for the like that the way you all were efficient in that way and like you could do stuff that was both um helping to sustain the organization and also just like cool stuff that people wanted and felt good about buying it's fantastic
2: yeah thank you yeah alex the postcard thing was really awesome that he that he wanted to do and i think that that like i think we're a band that's pretty inspired by 90s um indie rock slash punk and like Mm -hmm. you know we we liked like the way that those like bands kind of promoted themselves um you know like promo shots and like just just silly little things but um i guess at the time that we did them it it didn't seem like many bands would were doing that like you know you just kind of had a t-shirt and your record um Mm. and that's it but i don't know i i i definitely feel like i um i joined the right band with a person that really made things fun in that department
0: that's awesome um one thing that i've always found kind of interesting about lemuria was learning how much of the lyrics alex writes
2: yeah he's he's a a a poet like he 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 i mean at times he's been working on books that he wanted to write i mean he's just a writer he he has Mm -hmm. he writes a lot of things he's not the most um and i think he would say this about himself like He's not the most, uh, I think he's more introverted. He's not as extroverted. Yeah. Um, as at least I am, but he, he writes a lot of stuff down and that's kind of his therapy, um, his way of, you know, getting, getting, getting things out. But he's also just, I think his brain works very vividly. Um, and he's just always really good at saying things and, um, in a way that is relatable. And then I think it was nice for me because I don't write as fast as him. And Mm -hmm. I think the way that I write is definitely more simple, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um, he didn't make me feel like, I think he liked the things I was writing um, just as much as I liked the things that he was writing. And so that made me feel it made me feel more like I could write material that I could be proud of. Whereas like, yeah. I think lyrics are, they just come more naturally to some people than they do others. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's important that people know their strengths in a band. And uh and um, I think it just, It depends on what song um and what albums i think are people's favorites and or they like but like yeah we definitely each have our our own style uh and i think even if i wrote a song musically um sometimes alex just had something that fit the mood of the song so Mm -hmm. perfectly that it wasn't even like i was never even gonna think about writing lyrics to it. But um, there were also things that Alex wrote lyrics about that I did not want to sing at first because they were so personally his and they were so, I mean, there are songs that he, he wrote about his dad and like, I just felt like I couldn't do them justice. But I think I also knew him so well that I, that I did do it justice. Um, Mm. And I could sing it the way that he, you know, that he would want it, it song that sounds a little weird, but just in terms of like how well we knew each other, I think we could either one of us could write something or not write something. And we knew how to, to tackle it or like,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: totally. And I,
0: I just think about like a, a song like irregular, just the, the dynamic of, of Alex writing something that, it feels so personal to you
2: yeah and regular is a song that i wrote the music for uh, mm. at least the guitar and then we started the song but like yeah i mean that's an example of of how like there wasn't going to be uh, lyrics that i would write that could have done it as good as the lyrics that he wrote for that song and like yeah yeah it's it's definitely one of the things i'm most proud of about lemuria because i think that we were just really fucking lucky to, to have each other in that way.
0: Um, do your guitar playing over the course of this band too is like. So, like, Pleaser? <laughs> Holy shit, that riff. And like, good on you for getting J Robbins to record that because it's perfect
2: yeah there's a thank you thank you uh i we started fucking around with tuning stuff but like never that wacky like yeah. you know, someone like evan from into it over it like he's like such a guitar like he just has a crazy ass um style but like it's just so good at the guitar uh i think the way that we started using different tunings was just very appropriate for um yeah for the sound that we made just cause it wasn't that wild, but just the, just one thing being a different tuning opened up this entire world of, of sound. And like,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, well, I
0: well, so, it. so what, what's pleaser? In? If I could...
2: Pleaser is in D. Oh, okay. D, yeah. But that we started, there's, there's a, there's two other tunings that we did some of the songs on, um, Get or not get better? Sorry, uh, distance and recreational hate. Thanks. Actually, an irregular is in where the um, the low E is tuned up to G, and then the rest oh, is standard B. Right. Hell But like, yes. there are a bunch of Lumiere songs that are in that tuning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just like it's crazy what tuning one string differently can do, and yeah. how much it opens, and and how much the like moods of of the songs can really it's just it's it's freaking awesome i i am so glad that i learned how to play guitar and like eventually figured out that that is something you can do and it's like even it makes you feel even better
0: yo when you're like fucking around in a new tuning and you like start playing something that you're just like yeah <laughs> nobody's gonna know <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the Lemon Heads also, I feel like there are songs oh, that like so
0: many tunings.
2: I would try to I would like watch a video and be like, oh okay, okay. And then like try to figure it out and it would drive me fucking crazy. Like yeah. but I also I don't know how to play I mean, I feel like the way I learned how to play guitar, I, I don't know I don't know the names of notes, you know? And like
3: mm-hmm.
2: I I didn't learn how to technically play. So I think it probably is easier for someone else to figure that kind of stuff out but yeah anyways uh uh, the world of um tuning is a wild one it is (laughs) it is going to give you a headache if you try to figure out something at some point
0: i learned a great deal about alternate tunings from fellow buffalo native johnny resnick
2: is that goo goo dolls
0: yeah oh (laughs) that guy's got tunings
2: Are you a fan of the Goo Goo Dolls?
0: Oh, well, I'm so happy that you asked, Sheena. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, they were like my favorite band when I was 12. I still hold them in very, very high regard. Um, You should, if you haven't, uh, Superstar Car Wash. Okay. Great great replacements, rip-off, Power Pop.
2: I feel like I couldn't get over the name Robbie goo, you know, Robbie goo. Yeah. Like that. That's, I mean, from Buffalo, that's what people call him. And I just couldn't, I I thought I wouldn't, I I mean, I know goo goo dolls hits obviously. And I feel Mm -hmm. like it's notorious that Robbie goo has been good to the city of Buffalo and its arts, but, uh, Interesting. Well, that
0: that they call him Robbie Goo. There, I don't. I don't think I like that either.
2: It's real gross. It's real gross. <laughs> but <laughs> I was. Uh,
0: I was. I was talking to our mutual friend Augusta uh, a couple weeks ago, and one thing that has stuck with me was hearing about Kayatana going on tour with. Lemuria and 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 Augusta saying that you were basically just like, okay, here's what you don't want to do on tour as a woman. Here's what you do want to do here. Here's good uh, vintage stores, but like, don't stay with people you don't know, things like that. And I mean, 2007, you were probably the only woman that i saw on stage uh you know maybe someone playing bass here and there but i mean you have to it, it's it's changed so much in the past few years
2: for sure yeah and i think with them specifically like i knew they 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 got into a world that w- was not like DIY punk very fast um like in terms of like uh you know I think that was one of their first like big tours and like it it just um I mean I don't want to play expert or anything everyone's experience is different of course but yeah I think it was just like they were dealing with promoters and like just just um I wanted to be there for them as a friend first and foremost, but also um, because like, I don't know. I mean, I just, I think it's a really wild world and um, I don't think we got too far into that world where anything like, you know, we we obviously started dealing with promoters and we had a booking agent and like there were things about our band that I think progressed, Mm. um, you know, entering us into a quote unquote professional world. But like, I feel like Kayatana just, they, they entered it so fast. Um, And they, I know that at that time, I think that they were just dealing with some, some of their own booking agent stuff. And I, I, you know, it just, it must be so wild to like enter into that world in your first couple of years. And, Mm. and, you know, a lot of bands get fucked over and
3: yeah.
2: (laughs) that it's just, um, I love that tour. And I, I loved, I I loved seeing them every night. They're incredible. And I thought that it was just awesome that they, they were just fucking doing it, you know, and they were, um, they were learning, you know, like they all hadn't been playing for that long and they just, they just killed it every time. So I, I love them. They're such amazing people. And I think, you know, you could tell when you watch them that like, they were genuine, and, and they had yep. something special. So,
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Were you at their last shows?
0: No, I wasn't. Actually, I think that tour was the only time I saw Kayataka. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: And I tell you what, I had a lot of takeaways from that tour, but me and the people that I was with, we walked away, and we are like, that's the best Lemuria set we've ever seen. <laughs> and, and i'm not i'm not saying that just to just to make you feel better or or anything i'm i'm i was just it was like you know between the four of us we'd probably seen lemuria 25 times and it's like
2: these fuck. they just don't stop getting better <laughs> do we have uh tony with us then i can't remember I
0: I think it was just the three piece.
2: Wow. We we really sucked for a long time though. So it's not (laughs) a surprise. Like we didn't know what we were doing, you know, like uh, it took a while. And like, I think uh, towards the end of when when we actually like got Tony to play with us, um, on tour, like it felt fucking awesome to have another guitar player who like sang like a goddamn angel. Um, Mm -hmm. I wish we would have, uh, you know what? I don't wish we would have done that sooner. I think it came at the right time, but I appreciate you saying that we really did suck for a long time. So, um, <laughs> it's hard to play live, you know, like it's, yeah, especially and like to have to sing and actually think about things. And I think, uh, you know, we came from a world of sh- like shitty PA systems too, where you couldn't even hear the singing. But if you could, you were like, it, it, mm-hmm. it was, uh, Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you saying that. I think we definitely got more um, competent and like just uh, felt better about playing in front of people towards the end of, of when we stopped, for sure.
3: Yeah,
0: I mean, and I feel like you, you grew into a larger thing too. Like the distance is so big. I really had a great week with that record because that was that was always one that I thought was. Good, but it wasn't the one that I put on mm-hmm. first, and that I I just had a great like renaissance with it. Where you know, fucking brilliant dancer when that bridge <laughs> comes in and it's like, oh, it's a new song. Wait, no, it's not. <laughs> that shit is bananas. Thank That's you. a wild record.
2: It is a wild record. Yeah, I I, I we recorded that with Jay Robbins again, and he he let us get a little more, not let us get, but he was more open for us being like a little bit more like s- slick, I guess, mm-hmm. production, um, than on Pebble. But, uh, that could also be because we knew him better, you know, and he, and we felt more comfortable with him, but yeah, thank you.
0: Big, like two large dots were connected to when I was like getting ready to talk to you. And I, realize that man they should do talk about tusk a lot
2: we yeah i mean we're who isn't a fleetwood mac fan like
0: yeah we all are serious
2: we are serious <sighs> yeah for sure and max joining the band like definitely upped that for sure we're all huge fleetwood mac fans but um yeah thank you for for you're very you are a very nice man tim thank <laughs> you for your compliments <laughs>
3: I don't know what to
2: say. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear that you're a nice man as much as you should?
3: (laughs) I I don't know. If
2: you are a nice man, you should hear it because there are not a lot of nice men. Well, I mean,
0: actually now, yeah, I, I am taking that seriously and thank (laughs) you. I, I try to be, it's really fucking easy. Um, I, it's, just like don't be the worst it's it's so easy
2: (laughs) yeah I wonder how much do you uh, how okay maybe this is going off topic a little bit but like you feel like the pandemic and like isolation uh, and you know and this like mind bonkers um world we live in at, at the moment uh I feel like everyone is just a little, it's going to be a little bit more uh, off and weird. And like, you know, our social <laughs> lives mm-hmm. are not the yeah. same and nothing is normal. And like, I'm not trying to be a, a downer. I mean, things are hopefully going to start to get better soon, but like, I just feel like in general, um, just yeah. you really changed a lot of people's personalities. Yeah, it definitely made me weirder for sure. We got we got nothing to do at a point, you know. It's it's like all the thing, all the outlets that were provided before that made us feel better and made us. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It, it, this is going to impact us for a long time. But anyways, I was thinking about it just because I I would hope that like this much reflecting time has made some people. <laughs> a little bit more um yeah and like yeah I I mean maybe it's the opposite because we all haven't been around people and we're just going to be like total introverted like people can go to shows again but they just won't because it's been so long that
3: like
0: yeah
2: we we've kind of adapted to this new way of living or whatever. But anyways, I feel like I'm just being a Debbie downer at this point. Uh, Everything's going to be fine, you know,
0: totally going to be fine. I think that there's going to be like, uh, there's going to be people who are just going to shoot off. Like they've been sitting on a spring and then there's going to be some that are a little bit slower to it. We'll see. We'll see. Are you there?
3: Oh
2: yeah. Sorry. Oh okay.
0: No no no. I just um uh, <laughs>
2: reflecting on the misery.
3: <laughs> um
0: Yeah, I find I find myself like no, let's let's move on from there. We don't need to talk to talk about the estate sale <laughs> that I went to today. Um
2: I love estate sales though. Did you get anything good?
0: No, I didn't. And that was the thing that bummed me out. Was <laughs> There wasn't too much good stuff and it was all a little overpriced. Like if what do you I, look for? Well, now that we're in a new place, there's like different furniture things or like gardening things, uh, tools. am really obsessed with file cabinets right now, so I'm always on the hunt <laughs> for some file cabinets.
3: You
2: like to be organized, don't you?
0: No, I, <laughs> I'm i so terribly disorganized. I think I just really got into file cabinets. I just think they're beautiful.
2: Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, they are beautiful, for sure. You're not wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was... Uh, if, But if I get something from an estate sale, I want it to be like such a deal. Like it's yeah. got to come with the the presentation has to like be punctuated by it, and I only paid three dollars for it for and sure this, this one was just like yeah
2: you have some good days and some bad days I, I work in that world of I, I sell vintage clothing online as a second job and oh
0: nice yeah I,
2: I I feel I feel that it's a it can be very exhausting when you don't find anything but very enthralling when you do
0: totally I find my I find myself getting like kind of offended though when when the prices are too high. Like, who do you think you are?
2: <laughs> yeah, but also estate sales are always kind of sad too because you're like sometimes the people died and
3: yeah
0: yeah. I try I I I try not to think about. Well, I guess I I guess I do, but it's part of like a. I guess at the forefront of my mind these days is just walking in and being like, are people going to be wearing their masks oh, inside yeah. this house? When
2: you're in Indiana? Yeah. Are people um, good where you live?
0: They're very not good. Oh, God. Because <laughs> um, when you talk about Kayatana and like the um the world that they kind of got sucked into very quickly. Um, which was, I think that the, I think that there was a, there became a, a big push towards a like more professional thing. It was less DIY than it was in 2007. And, and Lemuria like kind of, I think, interestingly, like, shifted into that mode a little bit, but was always sort of, I guess, running alongside of it. Is that, is that how you felt in like the, you know, 2014, 2015 years?
2: You mean like the, the side of like a, like more DIY lifestyle yeah, or? It, it was like,
0: it, I think what you all, I, I think Lemuria had fucking opened the doors for so much and i think that there were there were a lot of bands that came out around that time that really held the door open and i think that you as a band evolved along with it but it was very different
2: mm. interesting yeah i don't i mean i guess most of the bands that i think um I mean, it could be that like cities just kind of, I mean, they were in Philly and like Philly, Philly is popping at that time for, for music. And like, everyone was kind of friends with each other. And it was just a more like natural, uh, maybe more, more natural that like bigger bands would tour with some of the smaller bands because Mm -hmm. they were friends. But like, I don't know. I mean, I think for us, like we really struggled with, um, how to not I think we I think we gave a shit because we wanted to tour and we wanted to make enough money to like be able to tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially but we always just kind of felt um I don't know I mean I think that some bands just have this kind of luck in regards to um people being really stoked about them quickly Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs)
2: and they get doors open for them easily more easily and then there are some bands that just kind of never quite um i don't know i mean it's complicated i think i think it depends on what you want as a band and if everyone's on the same page um and i think a lot of times for bands like um Kayatana and like, you know, like they're genuinely good. Mm. They were um, genuinely good people. <laughs> and it just kind of uh, being friends with with bands that have been had been around for a while, definitely probably. I don't know. I mean, we were just fucking stoked to play with them. And I think that, um, touring in general and, and being a band in general is just really complicated and weird. And you have to make a lot of decisions that like are fucking stupid. (laughs) Like if your band's going to be an LLC and like, you know, there are, there are things that come along that just like, I don't know, if you're a punk and you grew up in like a DIY, um, environment or like scene I feel like it's just never not weird to think about business as a part of your band and like Mm -hmm. the reality is like sometimes you do have to think about it and sometimes you're put in situations that make you have to think about things you didn't want to but um I think that Lemuria kind of we had a we had a good run of a lot of different kinds of ways to be um and while, while we were, you know, really playing and I feel grateful for that. Cause I think it, um, we just grew into what we were, uh, more naturally than I think some bands do cause they're trying really hard.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but that being said i think that we weren't very good for a long time so it just makes sense you know like i think if you see a band and they it's like their first show and they fucking slay like that band is probably going to do pretty well
0: yeah but if I love, you're, that, I love that you're you're convinced that you weren't good
2: we we weren't we weren't good i mean there's no denying uh um but i think that we were also like just starting you know like we i didn't know how to play guitar like i think that given all the factors we were probably just fine but we were also lucky little shits that got to do a lot of really cool things yeah. Where like there are a, were definitely bands that were way better than us live and like you know way better than us um maybe even musically depending on who who's thinking it that like could have done some of the things that we did, like go to Russia, but like never did, you know? So mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's a bunch of, I try really hard to like be proud of where we were the last couple times we played because um, it's just a really up and down world and you, and it's hard to be confident in anything really. <laughs> so
3: yeah. I,
2: I feel good that I can like look back on the last couple of times we played and, and like be like, that was fucking awesome. And that was exactly what we wanted to do, exactly how we wanted to do it. And we love each other. You know, we don't hate each other. Like so many bands do. Um mm-hmm. there's a lot of victories and like accomplishments that came out of all the stuff that we got to do. And I feel really lucky that we got to do a lot of it.
0: Yeah. You know, something I hear, a lot when I talk about Lemuria is Lemuria underrated, and <laughs> I I think that I've grown to look at that and say like no you're you're j- just looking at things in different terms than than they would really apply to like where Lemuria is and was because i think that it is it's insane how how well you all established like yourself yourselves as a as an enterprise and like a dependable band that grew and i think that like yeah it's it's a funny like relationship to have with a band where it's like you want something bigger and it's it's like well let's let's stop for a second and like look at what actually was accomplished here you know what i mean
2: yeah thanks tim what you said was really nice um I think, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, who knows what the future will hold in general, but like, I, I, there are a lot of amazing things that have come out of, uh, our time as a band, no matter what, like no matter what happens in the future, if we never play ever again or if we do or whatever, but like, I don't know. I mean, I just think, uh, the amount of years we did it shaped us as people so much. And I can't really imagine not having something like that in, in, in life that like so greatly shapes like every part of your life eventually. And like, it was really hard to, uh, we toured so much and I felt like there were definitely times that seemed like, um, I think everyone kind of has that natural, um, uh, what's it called? Like, there were definitely times we toured a bunch where we thought, at least I thought, like, this doesn't seem to be going that well. (laughs) But, like, Mm -hmm. I think ultimately everything that we did, like, had its its place. And I think we still like remain true to who we were as people. And like, I don't know, it, it, it really like we met so many people that we love, you know, and music is just really magical. And uh, I know I don't have to tell you that, <laughs> you know, the music podcast mm-hmm. and obviously I love lots of, I mean,
0: of course you, you take it for granted though.
2: You do. Yeah. And I, I, I am curious as to like what will come out of, i mean we we stopped before covid happened you know but like Mm -hmm. i have so many friends that are in bands who who that's their livelihood and like they're not fucking rock stars who make millions of dollars who can depend on royalties they're people that like are just normal people like Mm who who have just had nothing for the last year and like yeah it's i don't know i mean It's definitely time for people to get creative, but if you're not in the mood to get creative, you're kind of fucked. And you have to just work so much harder for it. I wonder what it will be like after things return back to somewhat normal for bands and how, how they'll be able to to get back in the swing of things i mean i think it could go either way it could be like people are so starved for shows that they're like gonna go to literally everything they possibly can
3: Mm -hmm. or
2: the like social um uh isolation has like broke people where they're like i'm never gonna be around anyone ever again (laughs) you know
0: yeah i i'm just i'm excited for the um you know times that i'll be able to get to see people for the first uh first time in a long time and just watching their eyes just to gauge their reaction to see how much i actually have aged <laughs> I feel
3: like, yeah
0: i feel like i've got like a, i put 12 years on my face in the in this <laughs>
2: but yeah we've we've all uh we deserve to treat ourselves for whatever makes us feel good because life is pretty fucking hard right now but and it's harder for others it's it's so complicated but i have you been seeing those you've been seeing those bernie memes i know you yeah they're so good all the punk ones are so good
0: the punk ones are good i just Guy Guy Fieri uh, posted one with Bernie Ryden in his uh, hot rod with him, and I was wow. like, "Fuck yes!" <laughs> Two of my faves.
2: <laughs> you're you're a guy guy.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm a huge guy guy.
2: Interesting. I don't know much about Guy Fieri, but it, um, I lo- I started watching like all the Anthony Bourdain. Um, like I-, I started getting into food food things. Yeah. I think it's only about time that I'll. I'll be a guy guy eventually.
3: Uh
0: well I, I can send you a link for the uh seasons one through thirteen of Diners Drive Ins and Dives that I <laughs> that I downloaded.
2: Oh, I made, you're not, I made okay. extra
0: room on my computer no. for it. <laughs> <laughs> um here here's a funny story that I can tell you, Sheena. I'm hanging out with with a friend of mine, my friend Marcus, and this was a few years back, and he's like Dude, did you hear this fucking Lemuria record that they just dropped out of nowhere? And I was like, it, it it's the it's the best one, it's the fucking best one they do. Recreational hate, Jesus.
3: <laughs> the thing <laughs> is
0: so great, and it sounds amazing. You worked with Chris Shaw
2: on that. We did. Yeah, he he's a brainiac. It was cool. It was really cool. He's like he can kind of go wherever and make things work. Like he's just uh he's kind of like a travel production product uh, yeah. recording engineer, but like producer too and like yeah, it was it was cool. Recording that record was very very um like we were all so nervous because Krisha like quite a fucking weaser. Like he, he yeah. he's like a big wig, but like It was, uh, for us, he was a bigwig, but um, it was very chill and very comfortable. And he was, like, he didn't do as much um, producing as I was, like, afraid of.
3: Um, Mm -hmm. uh,
2: But, yeah, thank you. I I love Recreational Hate. I really love that record. and um,
0: It's so good. And just, like, the horns on it and the pedal steel and it's it's seriously it's like it just kind of continues this expanse of what y'all do
2: um
0: was it uh was it the blue album that was like and we should get this guy
2: i mean he was he's an austin person and max is like pretty intertwined with a lot he was at least he's in washington state now um Mm -hmm. but he uh he worked on like a bunch of festivals. Max was like a very, uh, worked for a pr- production company then had his own production company and just knew everyone uh, essentially in in and throughout Austin. And uh, when we were trying to figure out where we were going to record and, and how we were going to do it, um, Max suggested him. And obviously we were like, why the fuck not? You know, I think at the point that we recorded that record too, we were just like, We didn't, um, we just wanted to do something different and have someone different record it. But like, uh, I think going into that record, we were officially more comfortable in our own, like, we're going to do whatever we want, but uh, Maria sounds like Maria, you know, like I, I think, I think we could do a lot of things and still sound like us, but, um, it was fucking fun. It was fun. Like having a horn player and like the pedal steel player was amazing. It was just like this, this rad dude that ended up playing um, a show with us and playing uh, um, a radio thing with us at some point. And it was just like, you know, I wanted to stop playing and just listen to him play. It sounded yeah. so good. We also toured with dusk. I think the last tour we did and um, they have a pedal oh, yeah. Steel, and mm-hmm. it, yeah, It was just fucking awesome. It's just so fun to have people play with you that don't normally play with you.
0: Yeah, dude, it's oh so like fun and had to be just so like loose and like I don't know, all hands on.
2: Yeah, I think we also just like at that point we had been touring. We we were so used to being on tour and and playing like in front of you know. I really feel like that was the most comfortable we had ever been playing to people and we felt like we were Mm. really honed in i guess
0: well dude it was such a pleasure to get you on the podcast thank you so much for coming and talking to me
2: thank you for being nice and um willing to work out my uh technological uh uh (laughs) Things. (laughs) Things. <laughs> we did it. We did it.
0: All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Check out Lemuria online. Lemuria pop. bandcamp.com. Better yet pod.com. Better yet the show on Patreon. Patreon.com. Slash Better podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you, friends.